Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, this is Miranda Wright, and this is day 12 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today's prayer mandate is against division. John 17 is one of the most beautiful chapters in all of Scripture. Because though when we think of Jesus praying, we tend to think of either the Our Father or the Garden of Gethsemane, what some may not recognize is that John 17 was Jesus' actual prayer to the Father for us. See, when Jesus prayed the Our Father, It was a pattern prayer because the disciples had asked him, teach us how to pray. And so he said, first of all, don't pray in vain repetition. However, I will give you the pattern of a perfect prayer. And he prayed the Our Father to demonstrate to them how a prayer ought be prayed. But when it comes to John 7, what we have is a record of Jesus's actual prayer to the Father on our behalf. I highly recommend that you go and read the entire chapter. It's a beautiful image into Jesus's heart for you. But in verse 17 specifically, Jesus was crying out to the Father and he said, Lord, sanctify them through your truth. Your words are truth. Jesus said that every word that God has in his word is the truth. And it is by that word that we are sanctified. Yes, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. We are washed clean by it. But once you step into that new birth experience, you begin a process of sanctification. And it is by his words that we are sanctified. By picking up his word and reading it and believing it and living by it, we are made more like him. He said, your words are truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. In other words, Jesus said, I make myself an example, living out your truth, being an example of my life, what it looks like to believe your truth. And because I sanctify myself as an example, I do it because I want them to to do the same. I want them to see my example and follow after my lead. Pick up their cross and follow after my example. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their words. In other words, he was specific that he was not praying this prayer only for his 12 disciples, but for all who would come to the knowledge of the truth through the testimony of Jesus Christ. And this was the culmination of his prayer, that we would believe what is written in his word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus's prayer to God for us, his desire for us, his petition to the Father for us is that we might all be one. So if Jesus's desire was for his entire body to be one, unified in him, then we have to ask ourselves, is the church united? So then we have to ask ourselves, what about denominational divide? 
not something we like to commonly talk about, but I think the scripture gives us a very clear understanding that Christ never desired the body to be divided. He always wanted us to be one in the spirit. He wanted one family undivided. He wanted a bride that got along with each other. He wanted everybody pursuing the truth together. And we see this so clearly in 1 Corinthians when we see the first vestiges of the division beginning to arise in the body. At this point, there was but one church, one body, one set of believers, all those who were seeking after the truth of Christ. And then something happens in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Paul is pleading with the body of Christ at the first vestiges of the beginnings of what seemed to be a splitting off of belief systems, a dividing of believers, some following after one teaching, some following after another. And Paul was pleading that this is not what the Lord wanted. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Let me translate that into something a little more modern that you might understand. All of you say, I am a Baptist. I am a Methodist. I am of the church of God. I am of the assembly of God. I am a Presbyterian. I am non-denominational. This is what Paul was dealing with. And to this, he responded, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. I think he was embarrassed by this situation. He didn't want men following after him when he knew that all men ought follow after Christ. I thank God that I baptized none of you, lest, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. Paul was saying, I don't want a denomination being built after me. I don't want people following after me. I want them following after Christ. I don't want to build a movement after my personality or even my teachings. I want to direct all men to Christ. Now, I'm not speaking ill of anyone because we were born into a church system that has denominations and divisions. It's nobody alive's fault that it is the way that it is. But I can say without doubt that it's not the way Christ intended. Because we can see from Christ's prayer to Paul's efforts to prevent this from being that it was never meant for the body of Christ to be divided. It was always God's will for us to be together as one seeking the truth, continually pressing forward for the mark of the high calling, searching out his word for the will of God and helping each other to move forward in it. As ministers, I think it's important to remind ourselves sometimes that it's not our flock, it's God's. You see, the word pastor comes from the Old Testament word pasturer, 
When one shepherd had a big flock that covered much area, he would hire pasturers to tend his flock in different areas. And it was their job to protect the flock from wolves, to feed the flock, to mend the wounded, to take care of that flock for him. But they did not belong to the pasturer. They belonged to the good shepherd. And if the good shepherd decided that he needed to move a ram from one flock to the other because what that ram had was beneficial to the other flock, the pasturer couldn't say, no, that's my ram. I love that ram. Or he was stealing from the shepherd. It was the shepherd's prerogative to do with the flock as he saw fit because it was his flock. And he did what was good for the betterment of the entire flock. And he took care of his pasturers also, unless that pasturer began to claim the flock as his own and to do with the flock that which he willed, because he could not by law do anything except what the good shepherd told him to do with that flock because it was not his flock. But if he began to claim that flock as his own and began to take liberty to do to that flock what the shepherd had not told him to do, then he became a thief and the wrath of the shepherd would come upon him. We've got to remember as ministers that it's not about our kingdoms. It's about his. It's not our flock. It's his. We're not even the shepherd. We're the pasturer. We answer to him and we only do with his flock what he tells us to. We feed them. We nurture them. We mend their wounds. We protect them from the wolves because we have been given that commission from him. But everything else is at his prerogative. And in actuality, it's not even our choice what we feed them. We feed them what the shepherd gives us, what he supplies we hand out. And I think if we would see it more as his flock than our own, we would be more willing to work together, realizing that all the flocks are his flocks. And in the end, they're all going back into his barn. And we're going to all gather around his table and have to give an account for how we tended to his sheep. So let us move in unity. Let us move by his leading. Let us move by his instruction and let us never claim what is not ours. Another way that the enemy works in division is through marriages. The enemy wages war on the family and he tries to break up marriages. He tries to pit mothers against fathers and children against parents. In 1 Peter 3, 5, it says, For after this manner in the old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves Previously, it was talking about dressing modestly and so forth. And being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. In other words, wives, don't let that pride rise up in you. Honor your husbands. Help them in every manner that you can. Don't be deceived by the lies of this world that tries to build your pride and set you against your own husband whom you were there to build up to encourage and to help. And it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. In other words, to protect them, husbands, to be the covering. That's what a covering is. It is a protection to take care of them, to guard them and to gird them. And it continues to say, And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And this is so important. The word of God literally says right here that if, if the wives do not honor their husbands and the husbands do not protect and tend to their wives and they do not love and respect each other and honor each other as equal heirs of the grace of life, then it will hinder their prayers. In other words, God's not hearing you because you're not doing what he said. 
Many don't understand that the very reason their prayers are not being answered is because they're not honoring their spouse in a godly manner. And after this, it says, finally, be ye all of one mind, the family, the husband and the wife and the children be in unity, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, in other words, argument for argument, but counterwise, render blessings, knowing that ye are thereunto called, in other words, God has called you to do so, that ye should inherit a blessing. Even when there are disagreements within the marriage, if you choose to bless and to be the one that brings peace, it grants you a blessing in eternity. Even if the other is at fault and you choose to take fault and bring that peace and that unity back into the marriage, God will bring a blessing. Another place that I see a lot of division, especially in the church, is amongst the young and the old. My brethren, it ought not be so. The Bible says that the elders should teach the younger. And I understand that sometimes the youth want to get together and have a youth service and a youth ministry and things like that. And I'm not against that. We do that in our church. But there really should not be such a divide between the young and the old in our churches. There needs to be a consorted effort to bring the old and the young together so that the wisdom of the old can be in part it to the young or else the young will be led astray or they'll lead each other astray as the blind lead the blind and they fall into a ditch. And finally, the form of division that we see very prevalently today is racial and ethnic division. And it ought not be so. There's no reason for it except that the enemy has sown a lie and men have believed it. Because Acts 17, 26 says that God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bonds of their habitation. This means that God from creation, he created all men from one blood and he already predetermined where their habitations would be, where they would go, which cultures would live where. So don't fight over land. So don't war over where you go. Because of course we know that we all came from Adam and Eve, but then there's Noah. And all of the races of the world came out of Noah's three sons and they went into three different directions and all the genealogies of the world and all of the tables of nations can be traced back to those three brothers. So when people groups fight against each other, you are literally fighting brother to brother and the enemy is dividing and conquering because if he can keep us warring against each other, we won't unite and war against him. It continues to say, God gave them these, their own habitations that they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Paul was telling this heathenistic people that even their own poets knew and, and put it out in the poetry of the culture that all people were the offspring of one God. So that there is no reason for the division other than that it is a tactic of the enemy to control. We have to wake up and stop being his puppets. He divides and conquers. It's a tactic of the enemy. He is like a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. And if you let him divide you, he will devour you. Jesus warned us, a house divided cannot stand. 
and the church of God divided will not stand the onslaughts of the enemy. It's time the body of Christ unite. Denominations, genders, ages, and ethnicities. We are all one family. We are all one in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink of one spirit. What God calls family is spirit. It doesn't matter what your background is or what your bloodline is. When you receive the spirit of God, you become part of the family of God. And the word of God says that all those who are led by my spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. We've all been made to drink of that spirit and we're being led of that spirit so that we are the children of God. We read in Galatians 3:26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. God, we pray for a revelation of the tactics of the enemy to divide and to conquer. God, we come before you and we humbly submit to you. And we ask that you would open the eyes of the blind. That you would show your people the tactic of the enemy. To steal their heart. To steal their focus. To bring them into offense. To bring them into confusion. To set them against each other. To cause us to focus on each other and not on the enemy. To cause us to fight amongst ourselves that we not deal with him. That we not even look within ourselves because we're so busy blaming someone else. How can we be sanctified in you if we're so prideful that we can't even see the things that are wrong with us because we're so busy pointing out all the things that are wrong with somebody else lord the enemy keeps us from moving further in our faith by keeping us focused on other people's issues but when we stand before you on the day of judgment we're not going to give account for anyone else we're going to give account for us and we're not going to be able to say oh but so and so did this and you're going to say oh, I'll, I'll deal with them when i call them right now i'm dealing with you because we're commanded to forgive we're commanded to take the lower seat we're commanded to esteem others better than self. We're commanded to lay down our pride. We're commanded to love our brothers the way you loved us with selfless, sacrificial, undeserving love. We are commanded to love. And your word says that if we will be perfected in love, then we will be able to stand before you on the day of judgment boldly knowing that as you were, then so were we in this world. We know we will receive a good reward, a good judgment. We won't have anything to fear because we will have rightly represented you by representing selfless love. God, we choose to lay down our offense. God, we choose to repent. We choose today to not let the tactic of division work anymore. God, we choose today to break off the lie and the fear that keeps the body of Christ apart. I'm going to go forth and speak the truth of your word in love because it's time for us to go deeper. 
and we can't go deeper because we can't go into new territory if we're stuck in old mindsets. Lord, I pray a blessing on the pastors that are selfless and that don't divide the body because there are some good pastures, Lord, and even those that sometimes do, they do it out of a good heart of, of wanting to protect the flock. But God, I pray that you put an understanding in their heart that it's your flock and that we can't be bound to the teachings or doctrines of men, Lord. We have to be bound by your word. We have to be willing to open it and read it and believe it and go deeper. And we can't be bound by the restraints of somebody else's teaching, Lord. We have to be free to be led by your spirit because the word of God says that you will lead us into all truth and that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and that we come before you. And sometimes you bring people into our life to teach us and sometimes you put us in a place to be instructed and then sometimes you send us out to learn thy experience and we've got to be free to be able to follow the shepherd's voice so God I pray for understanding and wisdom amongst your pasturers I pray that the spirit of fear be lifted off of them that they not be tormented I pray that you teach them how to pray so that they can work in an authority that works and not in control so give us a revelation of the power of prayer that we could war for our brothers and sisters in Christ in a place of prayer that we not be so tempted to reach out and take control with the, in the flesh. God, we pray against the racial divide that you would open the eyes of the people to see how the enemy is manipulating and using them and turning them against each other and putting lies and bitterness and offense and pride in the hearts of the people that's stealing their power and their authority and their witness away, that's hardening their hearts so that they're not willing to go out and reach the lost, those that they were meant to save, that the enemy is turning their heart away from the greater body of Christ and isolating them. He is dividing so that he can pick them off one by one like that roaring lion who divides the herd and then picks off the weak. God, we pray against the division in the family. God, we pray against the spirit of rebellion that the enemy tries to plant in our children. We pray against the spirit of pride that the enemy tries to plant in our wives. God, we pray against the spirit of materialism that the enemy tries to plant in our husbands. God, we pray against the spirit of control that would try to rise up in any of those, Lord. And we ask that your Holy Spirit come in and take its place and knit the family together. That they would fight for each other and, and not with each other. God, we pray that you unite the ages. That you give the youth a reverence for their elders and that you give the elders a heart for their youth. And that you cause the elders to impart the wisdom of their years unto the youth. And that you cause the youth to be hungry for that wisdom. And that you cause the youth to impart hope to the elderly. That they find their place and their purpose. And that they get back in the fight. And start fighting for the youth. And start teaching them. And start mentoring them. And discipling them. And encouraging them. Lord, I pray that you raise up those prayer warriors, those older people that have been in, that have been on their knees for years and they know the tactics that work and they know how to teach them. God, I pray that you raise up a young people that wants to fight the right way, that wants to pray and war and you raise up a people that's willing to take them and teach them and spend the time that is necessary to teach them the tactics of warfare. Jesus, I pray your prayer with you to the Father, that we would be one in you and one in the Father, 
and that we would be one together with one mind and one accord teaching and speaking the same thing because every time in the new testament we read those words that they were together praying in one mind and one accord and then suddenly Jesus, you were drawn to those who come into unity because it has been your desire from the beginning. It draws you in. It calls forth the greater purposes of heaven because it fulfills the first mandate of heaven, the one that you asked the Father for that shall be fulfilled on that final day. But every time we manage to achieve a little glimpse of it, then suddenly you rush in and everything changes. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.